going on, guys? Welcome into another episode of Farzcast. Farzine Vasugin here with you. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, it has been a while since we've last done a podcast, so a uh, lot to get into. Not going to go over too much of the old new stuff. Maybe a little bit of UFC. Well, what was the last pay-per-view? Uh, 276. Yeah, I definitely want to touch on that a little bit. Not too much since it's already a couple of weeks old, but I did have some thoughts because there were some big uh, takeaways from that event. Uh, other UFC news as well. Some baseball talk as well. I, I generally don't talk about baseball on this podcast, but some uh, some very notable uh, baseball stories in the last week. So I will definitely touch on that. Some NFL talk as well. Some Chiefs talk as well on this podcast. So for those of you who uh, want to hear some uh, some Chiefs conversations on this podcast, you're definitely getting it here on the podcast. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugin. That is the Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. Also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the podcast and share the links with your friends. We're everywhere. Anywhere you can listen to a podcast. Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, iHeartRadio, uh, all those good places. So uh, go ahead and uh, share the links with your friends if you enjoy the podcast. Share them out on uh, on social media. Uh, real quickly, uh, back to the uh, Facebook note. Uh, I mentioned you guys can also follow me on Facebook, at uh, Farzine Vesuvian on Facebook. Uh, man, you guys are killing it on the Facebook page. The uh, the chatter, the uh, discussions, the reactions, all that good stuff. And also, I mean, j- just the page is growing at a, at a very fast rate. Uh, just in the last seven days alone, more than 350 people. Just in seven days, more than 350 people. So you guys are fucking killing it. I appreciate all of you guys for doing so on the Facebook page. Uh, and if you haven't done so already, if you go on the page and click on the community tab, it lets you invite a lot of your friends on there. So just click on some of the names. It takes about 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds. Invite some of your friends to the page. And uh, let's keep it growing. Let's keep it growing. You guys are awesome. I appreciate all of you who have been killing it and uh, helping uh, the Facebook page grow in the uh, last couple of months. We've been growing a lot in the last couple of months. Now, even more so. I mean, it's, the, it's, it's like the most boring time of the year for sports, yet somehow we're uh, we're growing on the page. Don't know how that works, but hey, I suppose uh, you're doing something right if uh, if you got a page and it's growing during the, the slowest time of the year. But uh, even though it is the slowest time, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, some topics on this podcast I want to cover. Orlando Brown and the Chiefs. Unable to come to an agreement. In fact, the new report came out. The Chiefs were actually frustrated with uh, how contract negotiations went. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm actually kind of upset at what the Chiefs offered, but I'm glad Orlando Brown declined it. Uh, I'll get into that later on. How good are the Chiefs going to be this year? There is one big key to Kansas City success this season. Uh, Harrison Butker is doing a political ad that's getting a lot of reactions. I've talked about this on social media already. Bernard Pollard, former chief safety, going at it with Lamar Jackson on Twitter. And people are crying over Madden ratings. Surprise, surprise. Also some baseball talk and some UFC talk, as I promised at the beginning of the podcast. So we'll get into that a little later on. Also, Fox News came out with their top five best quality barbecue cities. Kansas City, Missouri, not on there. Uh, there is a KC suburb on, on there, but their list is pretty odd. Uh, so I'll share that at the end of the podcast as well. 
Uh, again, uh, apologies for the hiatus on the podcast. Uh, I did not end up going to Vegas uh, for, for the for the holiday weekend. So crazy turn of events. Um, just funny how uh, some of the, uh, the j- j- just the timing of everything. Uh, so I had two very urgent things come up. My bags were packed, ready to go, but two urgent things came up. One personal uh, related, one uh, business uh, work related. Uh, everything's all good. I'm fine. My family, all, all, everything, everyone all good. Uh, nothing uh, terribly urgent, but these were two very urgent matters that uh, I had to address and uh, required me to say. I ended up getting them fixed in the next uh, 48 hours when I was supposed to fly, from the day I was supposed to fly out. But uh, the day they came up, all that stuff, just unfortunate timing, so I had to cancel the trip. But hey, I'm not really sweating it because I'm going back next month. Uh, so definitely looking forward to that. And I'll be going back again uh, after after uh, next month, later this year. So not not sweating it. It's Vegas. I go there a few times a year. So not the end of the world. Uh, unfortunately, there were some people who had a bad 4th of July uh, weekend. Um, you guys all know about the shootings that happened. Uh, I don't know uh, what they're going to do about this. I mean, we, we keep hearing it over and over again, all these mass shootings. But... Um, you know, our leaders in charge, they're not doing a single thing about it. We, we, we had a full podcast on this, so I'm not going to go over it too much. But still worth noting, something's got to be done. Something's got to be done. I did want to make a note of this because I completely forgot to get into this uh, last podcast. Uh, but uh, late June, um, I posted this on social media, but just completely forgot to bring it up on the podcast because we had a lot to go over. And it was re- literally the night before I was supposed to fly out. So the, you can obviously imagine the uh, time, timing of all of that. I actually uploaded the podcast the day out, the morning, very early morning. I was supposed to leave thinking, all right, well, the podcast is up. It'll probably be available by the time I'm I'm on a plane, but obviously not the case. Uh, podcast was still up, though. Uh, but I did want to mention 29 years I've been in the United States. Uh, listen, uh, I'm proud to be here. I'm happy to be here. There's nowhere else I'd rather be. I, I consider the United States the best country in the world. Are we perfect? No, not at all. Um Listen, you can be proud to be an American. This was kind of a weird theme with the 4th of July and just the way people were reacting for the holiday weekend. Whether they felt like it was right to celebrate the 4th of July or not. Listen, here's what I'll say. As someone who has been in this country 29 years coming from the Middle East, and and I'm proud of where I came from. I'm proud to be Middle Eastern. uh, Certainly no shame in that. But what I will say is, look, uh, you can be proud to be an American, you, you can be proud to be in the United States of America and still point out some of the issues that need to be fixed in this country. And I know there are a lot of things that, that people disagree on. And listen, at the end of the day, I'd rather be here than uh, be elsewhere. Uh, look, I'm just very fortunate. I did not grow up in the Middle East. We moved out of there before I turned one. So I don't even have any memories of living there. We moved to the U.S. shortly after I turned two years old, yes. So, listen, I've heard stories from my parents, what it was like growing up there in the Middle East, and man, I'll tell you what, all the stories I've heard, I'm just, I'm, I'm glad I did not have that kind of, uh, that, that kind of uh, childhood. Uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate and thankful that my parents brought me here and I was able to grow up here in the, go to school in the United States. Again, this is not a perfect country. No country is, but I'll tell you what, if if you want to view it this way, you can still 
criticize the issues in this country. And I know we've got a big divide. So not everyone's going to agree on what one person thinks is uh, is an issue. Uh, what one person thinks is an issue, another person will think it's not a big deal at all. But uh, still would rather be here than uh, anywhere else. That is for damn sure. I will uh, proudly say that as an American citizen. So wanted to get that out there. Uh, just want to make it pretty quick because, like I said, it was a couple weeks ago. Kind of forgot about it last podcast because I was trying to squeeze everything in at the last second before I was supposed to fly out. So wanted to point that out there. Uh, one other thing I do want to say, I went to Challenge Mania in Kansas City. This was actually a very special event because Challenge Mania, for those who are uh, fans of MTV's The Challenge, one of my favorite shows out there. Uh, so for those who are not familiar, uh, MTV used to do the real world and road rules, and they would take the popular uh, cast members from those shows and bring them together on the challenge where they would compete, do challenges, and the uh, winners at the end of it would win a large sum of money. It wasn't as big early on, the uh, the amount of money that they would give out. In fact, they did it in teams. So they actually had to distribute the money evenly, but now they do it individually or in uh, duos. And uh, now they hand out... A half million dollars, a million dollars uh, for the finale. So it's definitely changed over the years how much money they've handed out at the finales. But I got to go to Challenge Mania. And a big congrats to Wes Bergman. Wes was on the podcast earlier this year. Super, super nice guy from Kansas City. Huge Chiefs fan. Uh, also a, a, a businessman, a, a venture capitalist, uh, an entrepreneur. The, the, the things that this guy does. I don't know if this guy ever sleeps at night, but... Uh, if he does, it's he's probably not sleeping a whole lot. Yeah, maybe he's sleeping comfortably. I don't know. I, I'm being facetious. But my point is, this dude does a lot uh, in his uh, professional world. Uh, and he also makes time to go on uh, the challenge. Uh, they've done several seasons of the challenge. Uh, they, they, they keep bringing back, unlike Survivor, where, yeah, you do see all-star seasons. But on the challenge, you see a lot of the same guys over and over again. So that's kind of the enticing part of the challenge. A lot of people like that. Uh, Challenge Mania is a podcast hosted by Scott Yeager and uh, three-time Challenge champion Derek Kosinski. They brought they, they go to different parts of the country. They invite some of the uh, popular Challenge cast members, and they basically do a live podcast, and they'll do a meet-and-greet afterwards. So the Kansas City event was unique because it was a massive event. They brought, I think, 15 uh, challenge cast members uh, to uh, Kansas City, and it was really Wes's doing because he put a lot into this. He actually hosted all the cast members at his home for the weekend. I know they had a big event. They went out to uh, T-Mobile Center downtown uh, for a concert. It was uh, Avril Lavigne and Machine Gun Kelly, and uh, they hung out, and then the next day, they had Challenge Mania in Kansas City at Wes's workspace, and uh they, they I, I've been told that, you know, I know they're doing a, a challenge event in Chicago and in San Diego. And the uh, the cast members who are going out there, it's only like four or five people. And again, the Kansas City one was 15. And I've been told, do not expect a challenge mania event to ever be this big again, because it's just not going to be. Um, so it was really cool. Uh, I got to meet Wes. We chatted for a bit. Um had a lot of fun uh, when he was on the podcast. If you haven't, checked that out. Uh, check the archives. It's also out there on YouTube and on my Facebook page. So uh, check that out. I had a lot of fun uh, with Wes on the podcast. We'll definitely do it again sometime down the road. Uh, he just won All-Stars 3. So a huge congrats to him. 
John A. Mannion, who was also uh, the female winner of uh, All-Stars 3, she uh, was at the event as well. A lot of great people from the event. Mark Long was there. So if you're, uh, if you've been following Road Rules, Real World, and The Challenge for a long time, you know who Mark Long is. That dude's been, he was on season one of Road Rules. So that dude's, that dude's been around the block for quite some time. Uh, a lot of great uh, cast members who were uh, at the event. Darrell Taylor, another uh, OG. Uh, Cyrus, uh, Nehemiah Clark, who now resi- resides in Kansas City. Uh, a lot of great people out uh, in the event. So had a lot of fun meeting those guys and had a lot of fun talking to Wes. Uh, obviously, uh, we've already been familiar with each other because he's, he had been on my podcast before. So we chatted for a bit and uh, thanked him for, uh, for the event he put together because he did a lot of the legwork for that. So I uh, just wanted to uh, mention that real quickly. So Challenge Mania in Kansas City, super, super cool event. Uh, had a lot of fun at that event there. All right, a lot to get into, so uh, let's not waste any more time and get right into it. I want to talk about this Orlando Brown situation for a moment here because Orlando Brown wants to be the highest paid offensive tackle in football. I know originally he's a right tackle, but did convert to left tackle in Kansas City. The Chiefs gave up a first-round draft pick to get him. And it was more than just a first-round pick. I mean, they gave up a lot to get him. But they also got a lot in return to get him as well. Uh, They ended up getting a second-round pick. They used that on Nick Bolton, the uh, linebacker out of Missouri, who's had a phenomenal rookie season, a very underrated rookie season among uh, the defensive rookies that played last year. Uh, so obviously a lot of Chiefs fans certainly excited to see what he does in uh, 2022. Uh, and the Chiefs had a they hit a home run in last year's draft. Uh, they got Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, two very good interior offensive linemen. Uh, I know Creed Humphrey didn't go to the Pro Bowl, but did win the fan Pro Bowl vote for whatever that's worth. But he was rated the highest center by just about every media outlet out there, including Pro Football Focus. Uh, and Trey Smith, uh, he and Joe Tooney are the two highest-rated pass-blocking offensive guards. Uh, Tooney, of course, uh, not a rookie uh, that was drafted, but brought in last year from the New England Patriots. So, uh, obviously, Brett Veach did a hell of a job last year revamping the offensive line that uh, that Kansas City desperately needed to rebuild after that really poor showing in the a or uh, the uh, Super Bowl in Super Bowl Fifty Five against. The Buccaneers, obviously, there was that glaring hole. And, uh, hey, props to Brett Veach. He did something about it, including bringing Orlando Brown Jr. in. And a lot of people were ecstatic about this one. I was thrilled when the Chiefs got Orlando Brown Jr. from Baltimore, especially from a conference uh, rival. Because the Ravens are, you know, one of the top-tier teams. I, I know last year was not their year, but, you know, as long as they've had Lamar Jackson, that team's been competitive. So, this is a team that was willing to give a high perennial offensive tackle to Kansas City. Kind of a weird move, but hey, the Chiefs did it, they got it, and they also got Nick Bolton in the process. Uh, So, looks like a good trade at, at the start, but... So far, and I'll say this, if this ends up being Orlando Browns last year, I don't think it's going to be a horrible loss for Kansas City, given that they got Nick Bolton out of the whole situation as well, uh, using that second-round pick to get him. But 
Among all offensive tackles in 2021 last year, Orlando Brown allowed six sacks, tied for 14th, finished with 1,337 snaps. That's the most among offensive tackles. He allowed 13 quarterback hits. That's the most in the NFL. He allowed 26 quarterback hurries. That ties for 26th, or excuse me, 16th most. Uh, He was ranked 55th in uh, run blocking by Pro Football Focus. ESPN has him as the uh, second highest run blocker. So uh, judge how you will with that. Uh, And he was ranked 37th in pass blocking by Pro Football Focus. ESPN has been uh, compiling uh, these surveys uh, in which they polled NFL executives, coaches, and players Asking them for their uh, top 10 guys at the quarterback position, running back, basically all the positions. And they've been releasing them out one day at a time. Uh, And they came out with offensive tackles. Orlando Brown was an honorable mention, which surprised me. So Orlando Brown, in the eyes of executives, coaches, and players, is outside of the top 10 in the NFL. Yet, this guy wants to be the highest paid offensive tackle in the NFL. And I just read you the stats. Uh, By the way, courtesy of Pro Football Focus. Orlando Brown is not in any position to demand that kind of money. Yet, the Chiefs were still willing to give him a six-year, $139 million deal. On average, more than $23 million a year. And I know a lot of people are pointing out, well, the final year of that deal not really favorable uh, uh, contract-wise. Okay, I get that. But for a guy who has not played up to expectations, and I know it's only been one year, but for a guy who wants top dollar at his position and honestly did not show up when he needed to against top-tier pass rushers uh, from the beginning. I mean, the guy struggled against Miles Garrett, and I even said, look, maybe it's possible pass blocking for Mahomes could be a lot different for uh, compared to pass blocking uh, for Lamar Jackson. But those struggles continued throughout the season for Orlando Brown Jr. So for a guy that wants top dollar at left tackle, which is arguably the most underappreciated position, I think, in the eyes of a lot of fans, uh, and arguably the most important position on offense. I, I'd say more important than the quarterback position because in order for the quarterback to do well, which again, most quarterbacks are right-handed, most people in this world are right-handed, you got to have a great left tackle because that is your blind spot right there. And for Orlando Brown, not doing as well as he should have last year, and demanding this kind of money, the Chiefs were still willing to give him $23 million per year on average. They were willing to throw $139 million at him and also give him the uh, the, the biggest signing bonus at that position and still declined it. First of all, I'm glad he declined it because I wouldn't want the Chiefs to give him that kind of money. Now, here's the unfortunate part because the Chiefs uh, report came out from NFL Network uh, Tuesday afternoon that the Chiefs uh, were frustrated with the way things were going in contract negotiations. It was kind of weird. Orlando Brown did not have an agent. He hired one a month or two ago. I don't know the exact timeline of that, but um, that's when uh, the Chiefs were able to start actually get contract negotiations going because he finally got an agent. 
but couldn't come down to an agreement at the end of the day. And here's what kind of makes me nervous. If the Chiefs, if this ends up being the final year Orlando Brown plays with the team, hey, I'm not really sweating it. I'm really not because the Chiefs still had a home run in last year's draft. Yeah, it would have been nice to have that first round pick and also score big on those other uh, picks with uh, Humphrey and Trey Smith. But then you probably would not have had Nick Bolton unless you did use him, uh, or you drafted him, I should say, with that first-round pick. So at the end of the day, I don't think it's a terrible loss if the Chiefs and Orlando Brown Jr. are not able to come to some sort of an agreement down the line. There's still an opportunity for that in the future, but uh, with the way things are looking right this second, uh, looking, uh, looking slim. But again, a lot of time left, anything can happen. But a lot of people think that at this point, um, there's a valid reason to believe that the scouting department in Kansas City, the uh, number one position on their list of priorities is for sure left tackle. I mean, they've got to keep an eye on the best left tackles out there uh, when it comes to veterans that could be free agents next year, as well as uh, who you're going to draft next year. I know as fans, we don't care about this kind of stuff. I mean, we, we have a season to, to, to be excited about, but... That's what scouts do at the end. of That's what general managers do. They look at the situations they're dealing with right now and figure, hey, if things don't go the way we want it to go, we got to be ready to replace these guys next year. So that's the job of these scouts in the NFL. And listen, I'll tell you what, I, I trust Brett Veach and uh, the staff he has in place to find the right guy if they need to replace Orlando Brown Jr. So uh, I'm not really too worked up about it. If he does leave, I hope. I, listen, I've said it before. The Chiefs do need him. We saw what happened in Super Bowl 55. Now, at the same time, I don't think he's worthy of that contract he's asking for. Not one bit. And I've already gone over that uh, in detail. So, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know how, how this is going to pan out in 2023. Uh, he has not signed his tender yet. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, I uh, listen. Let me say something. I, I said this. Uh, I said this uh, over the weekend on on the uh, Facebook page and on Twitter. Orlando Brown, in his first four years in the NFL, including last year with Kansas City, he made over six million dollars in four years with this franchise tag that he's going to be playing under for twenty twenty two. He's going to get at least $16 million. I'm trying to pull up the uh, the details right here just to be sure. Yeah, so uh, he made $6.8 million, so almost $7 million in his first four years in the NFL. And this payday is worth $16,662,000. So $16.6 million. The guy's never, I mean, he, he, he hasn't even made half of that in his career. So he's not going to sit out the season. That would be insane. Uh, he's not going to sit out and miss out on more than $16 million to his bank account uh, before taxes, of course. Uh, he, he's not going to miss out on that. He's just not. Now, what's going to happen in the future after that? That is anyone's guess. Your guess is, is as good as mine. So we'll see uh, how that all unfolds in Kansas City's uh, favor or maybe in Orlando Brown's favor. He's got to have a good season. Listen, no no general manager in the NFL right now 
would give Orlando Brown what he's asking for, which is to be the highest paid offensive tackle in football. No, no GM's going to do that. Uh, Orlando Brown's no dummy. And I know a lot of people are criticizing his agent. His agent's no dummy either. Okay. You have to know at the end of the day, these stats are not, I mean, they're not exclusive to just fans. I mean, I'm sure Orlando Brown and his agent have, have these on file. And I'm sure the chiefs have used these as a case as to why he shouldn't be the highest paid offensive tackle yet. They were still willing to make him pretty close to it. I don't know what, what that would have made him second top five or what, but the chiefs were willing to give him a lot of money this year, but he declined and, uh, kind of glad he did. Uh, let's talk about this for a moment. How good are the chiefs going to be in 2022? Uh, listen, I think I, I'm obviously going to pick him to win the Super Bowl. I'm not going to hide from that. But here's my dilemma with this football team. Just kind of watching this from afar. They will be good as much as Andy Reid lets them. The key to Kansas City success is in Andy Reid's hands. And that's kind of a scary thought. Because Andy Reid, even though he won a Super Bowl in recent memory and had a had an opportunity to go back-to-back, his critics are still around. And they're still pretty loud. I mean, the things that he has done over his... I mean, how many years has he been coaching in the NFL? Almost 20 years? Um... Yeah, he's been he's been around for more than uh, 19, uh, 20 years. Twenty three years he's been coaching. So this is someone in twenty three years as a head coach has just one Super Bowl ring. Now he's got another ring as an assistant, but that was as an assistant. The problem with Andy Reid, and this has been ha- this has been in Kansas City for a while. J- just talk about his time in Kansas City. Andy Reid in the biggest games gets very complacent, and I don't know why. And this is not listen. Mahomes deserves a lot of the blame for the AFC Championship game, but I still put Andy Reid on top of the blame list because Andy Reid. The blown leads in the playoffs have been happening before Patrick Mahomes got here. The Chiefs blew a massive 28-point lead, the second biggest blown lead in postseason history. You had that with Alex Smith. And even though Mahomes was on the team, he was not playing at the time. He was on the sideline. He he played the week before. Uh, Everyone knows about that game, the Week 17 game in Denver. But Alex Smith, again, this is not Mahomes here, because a lot of people are blaming Mahomes for this. And again, I agree Mahomes was part of the problem, but he is not the problem. Uh, If you guys remember, the Chiefs blew an 18-point lead against the Tennessee Titans at home in the playoffs. And that one, honestly, I I know it sounds weird, but and I said this right away, and I, I even admitted, hey, maybe recency is playing a role in this. But even now, looking back, I think that hurts more than the 28-point lead lead that was blown because that one was at home. And it was against a team that won and then lost the following week and fired their coach. So I think that kind of hurt a little more. 
this one, the, the, the most recent one, obviously it was even worse because that was the you were one game away from having an AFC Championship three-peat and going to the Super Bowl for a third straight year. Uh, a lot of Chiefs fans, like me, have never seen this team play in a Super Bowl, and we were one half away from seeing the Chiefs go for a third straight year. Um, I, I, and I, listen, I still think, I, I don't think the Chiefs window is closing just because Tyreek Hill is gone. Uh, some people think so, but I don't think so. But I will say, with Tyreek Hill now gone, it is kind of disappointing that with this crew, they went to the AFC Championship four years in a row and they only won one championship. Considering the talent you have, um, there should have at least been multiple championships. Uh, and listen, I, I know we talked about the offensive line last last uh, topic with the Buccaneers one, but even with the bad offensive line play, the Chiefs had an opportunity to make that competitive. You had two dropped touchdown passes. All right. Uh, and by the way, uh, Andy Reid calling those timeouts before halftime, which essentially what he did was help Tampa Bay in that situation, which again, to this day, I still will not agree with that calling timeouts. I know you wanted the ball back before halftime, but your offense was not doing jack shit. You were down by, what was it, eight points? Take the eight-point deficit, go to the locker room, because Bruce Arians was just running the ball and letting the clock roll. He did not. He was not trying to score on that drive. You could have just taken the ball to, down to halftime, get, uh, get, get, get the opening kickoff Kansas City was getting after, uh, after halftime. So you could have... Score, open the drive. Open the second half with a touchdown drive. Go for two to tie it up if you wanted to, and the game would have been tied up. It would have been a whole new ball game. Uh, Tyreek Hill, if he catches that pass in the end zone, uh, could have been a completely different uh, football game. The, uh, the the direction of that game would have been completely different. Um, so who knows? Because if you remember, the Bucks started out with a three and out in that game. And then Kansas City had that drop touchdown pass. So, yeah. Uh, listen, here's my thing with Andy Reid because he's a great coach. And the thing that Andy Reid does a fantastic job of, and I would even argue he does a better job of this better than Belichick, even though Belichick has seven trophies, Andy Reid finds a way to get players to play above their potential. If you remember 2013, okay, think about 2013. Andy Reid's first year in Kansas City. Alex Smith was his quarterback. Jamal Charles was his running back. Look at Jamal Charles before Andy Reid got here. Jamal Charles was a great running back. That it was not up for debate one bit. Alex Smith wasn't necessarily a great quarterback, but he started to grow in San Francisco after a roller coaster career. And unfortunately, it ended on a downward slope for him because he got injured. Kaepernick took over and... The 49ers stuck with Kaepernick, and Kaepernick took took the uh, 49ers to a Super Bowl, and Alex Smith watched from the sidelines, which, you know, obviously no one ever wants to go through that kind of situation. Uh, but Alex Smith, again, before that injury, was playing very good football for San Francisco. He comes to Kansas City, and he plays even better football. Jamal Charles had the best year ever under Andy Reid. Um, so Andy Reid finds a way to get players to play above their potential. Uh, he's had a couple of misses on that, such as Le'Veon Bell. Uh, 
a few others. I mean, Josh Gordon, I guess the jury's still kind of out on that. We'll see if Josh Gordon can rebound in Kansas City. But more times than not, Andy Reid's been able to bring guys in or coach guys that he's never coached before and push them above their limit and play better than they have before. So Andy Reid knows how to coach football players. This is not a topic that's up for debate. Here's the problem with Andy Reid at the end of the day. The guy gets too damn complacent. He gets too damn comfortable. And it was weird because if you remember that 24-point deficit against the Texans where the Chiefs came back, the Texans tried to slow down Kansas City's comeback by going for it on a fake punt. And if you remember after the game, Andy Reid defended that and actually said that was a really good idea by Bill O'Brien. Well, yeah, I can understand where Andy Reid absolutely can understand where he's coming from because Andy Reid's been in that spot where he's blown these kinds of leads. I don't know what it is with this football team, and I've had this discussion many times, and I'm not the first person to bring it up. Everyone's brought this up in Kansas City. This team, oddly enough, plays way better when they're trailing by 21 points versus being up by 21 points. Yeah, you get a couple blowout victories here and there, but when it comes to those big games in January, the, the Chiefs just tend to play better from behind than ahead. And, and if you recall, I think it was an 11-point lead at halftime twice against the same team in January. On the road uh, in Cincinnati and at home against the Bengals, uh, the same team. You had an 11-point lead at halftime, and you blew it in the second half. Uh, Both second halves, uh, the Chiefs only scored three points. And in the AFC Championship game, the only time the Chiefs scored was when they were trailing. So when the Chiefs finally trailed for the first time, that's when you actually saw a sense of urgency And the Chiefs finally got something, a field goal, to tie the game. Almost didn't even have an opportunity to tie it because Mahomes was running around in the backfield and lost the football. Thank goodness for Joe Tooney. Now, unfortunately, that didn't end up mattering too, too much because the Chiefs uh, won the coin toss and blew it in overtime with three horrendous play calls. I mean, you're literally tied. It's overtime. You are tied in the Chiefs. The way they were playing in overtime, it, they acted like they were down by 20 points. Um, and again, that kind of goes to my point. Like, I think Mahomes kind of puts pressure on himself, maybe a bit too much. Like, you don't need to be a hero every single play. Not every play needs to be a home run play. Not every play needs to have an A-plus grade. Listen, you might have a few bad plays here and there. Just throw the football away. Get rid of it. Throw an incomplete pass. Whatever you need to do, or maybe even take a sack if uh, you're not in position to throw the ball away. Just don't throw an interception because at the end of the day, uh, you don't want to make a boneheaded mistake. Uh, Not every play is going to be a great play. And I think Mahomes kind of puts pressure on himself because of maybe some of the play calls that come in that he may not be a fan of, but has to run it because that's what his coach is telling him to do. So I think that's kind of the confusing thing for me is like with Andy Reid, You have the talent. You have the ability. You have the playbook. I mean, defenses don't know how to stop this this offense. Even without Tyreek Hill, I still think this offense can do some some damage next year. But it's just being complacent. 
That's what frustrates me so much with this football team. Listen, I said it at halftime last year. I, I have it on the live stream. Go look it up. I said, Kansas City, their defense, yeah, they're playing great. But we're talking about Cincinnati, okay? They're going to get going in the second half. So it's important for the offense to keep doing what they're doing. And I, the point I'm trying to make is I think, because going back to the whole Bill O'Brien comment with uh, the Texans game where the Chiefs came back, a lot of people have said Andy Reid just gets too nice. He feels bad that he's blowing teams out. It's like, why? It's like that situation, you know, kill or be killed. Okay, like if Andy Reid had that mentality in football games, man, I don't know if we'd be, I don't think the Chiefs would have blown that lead against Indianapolis. I don't think they would have blown that lead against Tennessee, nor Cincinnati both times in January. But unfortunately, those things keep happening. So, listen, I'm picking the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. But a part of me is a little nervous. You know, there are times where Andy Reid will coach a game down the wire and he finds a way to call the right plays and the players go out there and execute. But then there are times where Andy Reid just looks lost. Like, if this was Todd Haley or Romeo Cornell, the two most recent Chiefs head coaches before Andy Reid, if those guys called those kinds of plays, and I know Romeo Cornell was not the offensive play caller, but you get what I'm saying. Like, like if that was the kind of play calling that was taking place with those two guys under the helm, that's a fireable offense. But because it's Andy Reid, he's not on a short leash, leash like a Todd Haley caliber coach would be. That's the frustrating part with this football team is Andy Reid does hold this team back a bit. Listen, Andy Reid deserves a lot of credit for what he's done with this football team. He turned a 2-14 and football team and they had a 9-0 start. And I will forever argue this. I mentioned this many times. I know people will immediately mention, well, the schedule was easy in 2013. Yeah, but a lot of those teams that they went 9-0 and against, they got their asses kicked by a lot of those teams the year before. And even then, even though we knew those teams were not good, nobody expected the Chiefs to go 9-0, and even with that easy schedule. So Andy Reid's done a lot to get the Chiefs to where they are today, from the moment he got here to now. But he does have a ceiling that he puts on himself. I mean, that, that Super Bowl against the 49ers, yeah, obviously, you know, the... The excitement down the wire made it special, but if Andy Reid coaches that with just some aggressiveness, don't you think Kansas City wins that Super Bowl with ease? Because I do. And listen again, I'm not I'm not complaining too much because it ended up giving us a very exciting fourth quarter. The way everything panned out, the 49ers were even celebrated on the field. Um, we all know uh, that before and after picture, uh, where you have the 49ers celebrating and then, then the Chiefs celebrating, but. Andy Reid does have a ceiling that he puts on himself. So, whether the Chiefs win a Super Bowl this year or not, I think it's totally going to be on Andy Reid's shoulders. It's going to be up to him. Are we going to see that Andy Reid where he coaches his team and has them play good football for four quarters consistently? Or are we going to see a tale of two halves? Because nobody wants to see that tale of two halves. Uh, Unless you're on the losing end of it in the first half, because Kansas City somehow thrives in the second half when they're trailing big. That's just the way it works, and I don't know why. Sure, it makes for exciting comebacks. Again, we've seen some exciting comebacks, but 
at some point it does get a little old and you kind of say to yourself, listen, we got we to gotta play good football for four quarters. That's up to Andy Reid. Okay, I'm sure you guys have seen um, my posts on this on Facebook and Twitter, if you haven't already. Uh, I mentioned Harrison Butker, and he he posted an ad that he did on Instagram. Uh, I don't think he's posted it on Twitter. Nor like on, uh, nor like as an actual Instagram post. I think he just wanted it as a story, just to be up for twenty four hours. That way, there's not public comments about it. But the public still uh, pick up on this and uh, had some things to say. So, for those of you who live in the state of Kansas, you know there's a uh, and I'll keep this uh, away from the uh, topic because and first of all, I know it's a sensitive subject, uh, and I know I know you guys don't come onto this podcast to listen to topics like this. But let me just get to my point in, in a moment. But Harrison Butker, uh, first of all, let me back up a bit. In Kansas, you can vote on um, on abortion. And Harrison Butker, uh, it's it, I think they're calling it value them both. And uh, if you vote yes, it, then you would be manning abortion. Uh, and I think Butker, he... He, he he's he he talked about being unvaccinated, and I guess there was a story that where he said he appreciated Chiefs fans not criticizing him and letting him make his own choice. Um, you, you know, fine, you know, whatever you, you want to do. I I heard he was on a podcast saying he was giving religious reasons as to why he didn't want to take the vaccine. Listen, if you don't want to take the vaccine, I don't care. That's that's your call. Um, but for religious reasons, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really buy that too much. Topic for another time. But hey, it's his choice. At the end of the day, you know, who cares? Um, so a lot of people are now bringing up that uh, the whole his choice thing because that's something that's been brought up with the subject of abortion. Harrison Butker did a political ad. Uh, he shared it on his Instagram story, and he is encouraging Kansans to vote yes on the. Um, uh, for August 2nd. Uh, let me just say this. And I said this on Twitter, but for some reason it got lost in translation by some idiots out there on Twitter. Harrison Bucker is allowed to say whatever he wants. He's allowed to feel however he feels. He can think whatever he thinks. He can have whatever stance he wants to have. If he wants to do a political ad, go at it. Okay? No one's. No one has any right to tell him what to do. Uh, if people are want to tell him he's wrong, or they agree, disagree, yeah, that's that's all fair. That's all fair game, as long as no one's being malicious about it. Which, unfortunately, with political subjects, voting, whatever, that's not easy to do. It's not easy to politically, or excuse me, uh, uh, rationally disagree uh, or have civil disagreements. Uh, my point was, is anybody telling Harrison Butker to stick to sports? Because we all know the infamous shut up and dribble segment geared towards LeBron James. And I don't care what your opinion is uh, about LeBron James. If you are not criticizing Harrison Butker or Colby Covington, uh, for those who don't know, uh, former UFC interim uh, welterweight champion, who constantly praises Donald Trump during UFC events, because as I've heard many people say, 
don't protest or don't talk about politics on the clock. Do it during your own time, which, by the way, hasn't really uh, aged well because there are a lot of... First of all, the LeBron James comment that he made that that uh, created the... Um, the segment he was doing, he was making his comments during his own time. It wasn't a, a basketball press conference or any of that. It was during his own time. Uh, so at the end of the day, I don't care who you are, what side you lean on. Um, there were a few people who said, I agree with them, but I still prefer athletes to stick to sports. That is the dumbest thing ever. Athletes are citizens. They have rights. They pay taxes. They're human just like the rest of us. They have the right to speak up on whatever they want to, uh, as long as they're not hurting anyone in the process. Listen, there's a reason why a lot of politicians will reach out to athletes. There was an article on Forbes several years ago that talked about Tom Brady um, voting for Trump and how his endorsement could actually influence some people. I, listen, that kind of stuff doesn't work on me. I make my own decisions. But guess what? There are people out there, if their favorite actor in the world or their favorite athlete in the world endorses someone, one of two, one of two things will happen. Either they, uh, they'll follow them along and do it, or they become a bigger fan of that person because they now suddenly agree politically, which I, I think is silly to just be a fan of someone just because you agree with them when it comes to politics. I, I, I think it's stupid. But that's how a lot of people operate. Again, this is not this is not a discussion of how terrible Harrison Bucker is or what he's doing. No, he's allowed to do whatever he wants. Um, and I hear a lot of people saying, oh, well, he's doing it during his own time, so it's fine. Okay, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, there are a lot of athletes during their own time, active and retired, uh, who have still been told to stick to sports depending on... And it's mostly left-leaning athletes that get told this. Here's the crazy part. and For those who are Chiefs fans listening to this, if you guys remember, Patrick Mahomes and Tyron Matthew, they did an NFL Black Lives Matter video after George Floyd's death. And when that happened... People were upset and told them stick to sports. So, again, that was something they did during their own time, but still were told to stick to sports. And, and by the way, I keep bringing this up to people, and they don't, they don't have a response to that. Patrick Mahomes and Matthew, they both created voter registration drives to encourage people to vote in 2020. They never gave an opinion. They never said vote blue, vote red, vote this person, vote that person. They never gave a single stance on any of these issues. Um, they never endorsed anybody, but we're still told stick to sports just for creating voter registration drives and encouraging people to vote. The chiefs, uh, had a logo on the field that said vote, uh, obviously in, in chiefs themed colors and people got upset over that, but Harrison Butker telling Kansans to vote yes on August 2nd, is he getting hit with stick to sports comments? Yeah, I'm sure he is, but is it the same volume as what Mahomes and Matthew received in 2020? Not even close. And by the way, I've had a few people tweet me this. They said that Harrison Bucker is getting sick to sports comments. Yeah, like one out of a hundred people are probably telling them that. And I even said, I said, look, 
If Harrison Bucker is receiving the same amount of stick to sports comments as Mahomes and Matthew, show me. Show me. Because if you go through the Instagram post Matthew and uh, Mahomes had when they were encouraging people to vote, they got a lot of stick to sports comments. Mahomes even did an interview on this and addressing those uh, comments. And by the way, he had a great response saying, if that's what people are saying, then they were never true fans to begin with, which is a perfect respo- response to those idiots. Um, but again, the, the the consistency and the hypocrisy with six of sports just comes out. By the way, Herschel Walker. I mean, do you hear the stuff that this guy says? Come on. You can't sit there and tell me that this guy, a former athlete, is making all the logical sense in the world. But unfortunately, he might... He, he, he's got some sort of an influence. Uh, he's fooling a lot of people, so good on him. And by the way, I'm not for one side or the other. I think both sides are terrible today. My whole point is, if you're not going to tell Harrison Butker or Colby Covington to stick to sports, then for those who do say that, tell me the criteria. Is it only when they agree with you? Because that's what I asked on, on Twitter and, and on Facebook. And a lot of people got offended about that. Just over a question. Just over a question. Um, and by the way, again, one more time to, to address this. Some people completely took that out of, not even out of context, just completely misinterpreted the whole uh, tweet in question. They're like, oh, it sounds like you're trying to cancel him or silence him. I clearly stated he's allowed to say what he wants to say. He's allowed to do it. So if that's what you took out of the conversation, I don't know with what reading comprehension you were able to graduate high school with. I question that to begin with. So I just wanted to say that there. Hey, I'm all for the athlete. Listen, I wish athletes would speak up more on issues, whether I agree with them or not. But I think so many athletes are afraid of that because you have so many idiots in this world that are going to tell them not only to stick to sports, but then they're afraid they're going to lose fans. Which, listen, if that's what... Let me say this. All the people who told Patrick Mahomes to stick to sports uh, in 2020, they were cheering him on throughout the season when the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl. And they repeated as AFC champions. So all these, oh, I'm never watching the Chiefs again because players kneel. Yeah, bullshit. Uh, I know people personally who said that, and the same people who said that, they were the loudest ones uh, celebrating this team the year they won the Super Bowl. So don't bring that bullshit to me. Miss me with that. Miss me with that the same way Dan Sorensen misses tackles, okay? Uh, again, th- this is not a segment, Harrison Bucker, what he should, shouldn't do. He's a bad person or he's great for what he's doing. No, I'm glad he's speaking up, whether we agree or not. I know it's a very sensitive subject, but I just want consistency from people. I'll call out the hypocrisy. And when I do it, there's no valid justification or explanation for it. And again, the people who are saying he gets the same amount of six sports comments as Mahomes and Matthew did, show me. I've asked this every single time, and for whatever reason, people cannot show me. They tell me to look it up. It's like, dude, you're the one making the claim. So not a very difficult thing to ask for people to prove. You're making the claim, not me. Um, Baker Mayfield to the Carolina Panthers. 
Ironically, he's going to be playing uh, against the Browns in week one. Funny how that all works. By the way, the Browns are going to be paying him a lot of money this season. The Browns will be paying him to for Baker to play against him. I, I, I don't know how that happens. I don't even know how many times that's happened in NFL history. I'm sure someone has kept track of that or can figure that out. I would be very curious to know how many times a player has played against his former team but was getting paid by his former team. I'd be very curious to know uh, to know that. But as far as Baker to Carolina, listen, Carolina needed it and uh, Baker needed it. He obviously was not happy with the situation in uh, in Cleveland, which is a complete mess right now. And I know uh, Deshaun Watson's gonna try to sue the NFL. Good luck with that. If he get, that's if he gets sued a full season, and maybe he's using that as leverage so the NFL can avoid a lawsuit. But I really hope the NFL does not. Back back down on this. I mean, please stand up to Watson. This is just silly. There's no way they can really allow him to get away with this. There's so much on the table. He's already admitted to apologizing to uh, one of the masseuses. He's already admitted he didn't care for the qualifications and he was willing to go very far. I mean, the guy even had this had these massages in private hotel rooms. Okay. Um, it just doesn't really look good on him. So, uh, but yeah, Baker Mayfield, good on him. I'm glad he's uh, he's in Carolina because that whole situation in uh, Cleveland, uh, he he deserved better. And listen, if Cleveland wanted a better quarterback, fine. You're you're obligated to find a way to improve. But it was your own fault for giving him that fifth year uh, option and then getting Deshaun Watson. I mean, that's all on that's all on Cleveland and giving him the most guaranteed money while he's still under investigation. I mean, come on, uh, there's nothing logical about this. Uh, Bernard Pollard versus Lamar Jackson on Twitter, uh, a battle we did not expect to see this year. Uh, not on your 2022 bingo card. Uh, so Bernard Pollard just kind of made a comment, and he wasn't too inaccurate about this, about how uh, you're not going to see a, a big-name wide receiver to Baltimore because of the quarterback there. Pollard, of course, also a former Raven, so he obviously is passionate about the Ravens. He wanted to speak on this. Uh, listen, let me say this. I've, I've been a fan of Lamar Jackson. I'm not one of those people that gets upset when Lamar Jackson gets praised, listen, he is a very different quarterback. And I'll be honest, I've been one of those people that says he's going to be on a limited run. But prior to his injury, the guy's still out there winning. No one's been able to stop him. I know in the postseason he hasn't been able to go far. And this is a very stacked conference, so it's not easy to go far. But Lamar Jackson, even when people think he's not going to do well, he does better than, than many expect. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for this. I think for him to lash out... By the way, his response to Bernard Pollard was stupid, saying things like, oh, I've never heard of you before, and all... Clearly, you're not up to date on Ravens history. Um, I, I, I think Lamar Jackson is starting to draw the criticism that Tim Tebow got. Because if you remember Tebow, he obviously, you know, kind of like Lamar Jackson, not the same way, but he had a very unconventional style of play to the point where it drew a lot of criticism. I still remember Brandon Carr 
uh, who played for the Chiefs, he was criticizing Tim Tebow uh, in that playoff game uh, between the Broncos and the Steelers. And then the second half, he lost his shit because Tebow was surging and helped the Broncos come back and win in overtime in one play. But Lamar Jackson, I think Lamar Jackson, here's the thing. Tim Tebow at the time, Twitter was not as big as it is now. So when someone wants to criticize someone, not only can they just say it, but they can also tag you and and, and you will see it. Um, You will absolutely see it whether you admit it or not. I think the problem is Lamar Jackson has been criticized so much to the point where it is kind of starting to bug him a bit. And I can totally understand that. When you're constantly proving people wrong, you're still out there winning a lot of games. You may not be winning championships, which, hey, that's a difficult thing to do. Okay, I get that. Maybe he gets one, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. I think there are quarterbacks better than Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson's still one of the top guys in the conference, and he still has all these critics uh, chirping at him. So I can understand him lashing back, but I think his choice of words to Bernard Pollard worked so stupid. By the way, the whole argument of, oh, I've never heard of you. Like you, since when was there a criteria that you have to have heard of someone in order for them to have any kind of relevancy? I mean, that's just stupid. There's no logic to that. It just simply shows you're insecure and you're an idiot and you can't handle any kind of criticism whatsoever. Again, I understand Lamar Jackson's been getting a ton of it um, when he's been still winning games, but come on. What are you, eight? Come on. By the way, um, uh, very kindly, if you're one of those people losing your minds over Madden ratings... Shut the fuck up. Seriously. We're talking video games. And listen, I'm not, I'm not one of those people saying, oh, video games are bad for you. Listen, I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan. Um, I'll, I'll play Madden every other year. I, I, I think what bothers me the most about Madden in general is when you play online and if you score first, you're opposing, your, opponent, your opponent quits, which just makes the game not fun. Um, I mean, listen, I've come back down, uh, but it's just a video game. It's never meant to be taken seriously. And, and with online technology, online gaming, they update the ratings as the season goes along. So it's not like it was 20 years ago where that's the rating and that's what it is forever and ever. No, um, I've never understood people who lose their mind over fucking Madden ratings. These are the same people who think that they can be an offensive coordinator just because they run good plays in Madden. Seriously, these are the same people who who, who think this. Uh, it's, it's, it's literally Madden ratings. Like, that's what we're talking about here. So, calm down. It's not the end of the world. It's just a goddamn video game. Uh, again, it's a fun game. I'm not, not hating on it, but... Just chill out with these ratings for crying out loud. I mean, I even saw Willie Gay lash out at EA Sports. Like, dude, come on. Uh, I don't know. What are we doing here? Where are our priorities right now? Like, if you're you're upset that much over Madden ratings, boy, um, I'd like to think... You don't have anything else to worry about in life. You must be living the the, the, the perfect life. Uh, 
Supposedly. Uh, supposedly. Uh, okay, a little bit of baseball talk here. Juan Soto, uh, and I'm, look, I don't watch baseball, so I've never heard of this guy. Uh, I had to do a little bit of research on him. He's an outfielder for the Nats. Uh, been to a couple of all-star games. They, I mean, they, he's a champion. The guy's a stud. Juan Soto turned down a $440 million contract for, uh, for, uh, for from a 14-year deal. That would have been the biggest contract ever in the history of baseball. And he turned it down. Orlando Brown, we just talked about Orlando Brown Jr. turning down a $139 million deal when he did, didn't even deserve that to begin with. And now you have Juan Soto rejecting the highest uh, contract in baseball history. Are you stupid? First of all, I don't know why you would give someone... The guy's 23 years old. From the Dominican Republic, dude, you were about to get all the cash in the world. And you declined it. I don't understand some athletes, man. I really don't. Uh, Man, I'm over here just trying to keep track of my stocks and cryptocurrency. Hoping that can one day score, score big. Here are athletes, professional athletes, declining more than $100 million. Oh boy, um, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe Juan Soto lives in a house where he's got money trees. I, I don't know. Someone explain this to me, because I don't watch baseball. What's the logic in him declining that deal? Because I don't know. Um, another baseball topic. Uh, so it was talked about uh, for the All Star Game on Tuesday, July the nineteenth. The uh, MLB plans to move forward with advertising on jerseys uh, as early as next year. Okay, we, we, uh, we're starting to see this, uh, or we have been seeing this in the NBA. Obviously, in NASCAR, uh, events like the Tour de France, we see, uh, we see advertising on uniforms or on stock cars. The NFL, I believe every team, don't quote me on that, has... Uh, logos or uh, advertising on the jerseys for training camp or for practice jerseys. So you have that. I'm very curious to know where this leads because the NFL does not have this on their game day jerseys. I believe the Arena Football League did, and not to compare the Arena Leagues to the NFL, but I think, you know, in terms of uniform, I mean, it's pretty similar. You're wearing pads, cleats, and a, and a jersey. And I think the NFL will look at this and look at Major League Baseball and say, okay, here's what they're doing. Here's how other football leagues have done it. This is what we can do. And I guarantee you the NFLPA is going to fight this very hard. Um, I mean, listen, they're willing to stand behind Deshaun Watson for uh, a potential lawsuit. So if they're willing to stand behind Deshaun Watson for that, they're going to fight this hard. And they're going to want a big piece of the pie. Not sure how that's going to work. But that's that. Um, That's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, Real quickly, nine Kansas City Royals players were unable to travel to Toronto because they were unvaccinated. Unvaccinated, pardon me. 
and obviously cannot enter the uh, country of Canada. Uh, Whit Merrifield was one of those players who has been the uh, main leader on this team for a few years now, and I think a lot of people were really upset because this was something that, you know, what if this was the ALCS? And Whit Merrifield did say if this was a postseason game, then he would have actually considered being vaccinated beforehand. Dayton Moore did an interview, and he was really frustrated by this. I guess a Royals player told the Kansas City Star that they were very upset. Uh, Sam McDowell, who's a very good reporter for the Star, by the way, uh, covering the Chiefs and everything else he does, sporting KC, the Royals as well. Um, But I guess a player who was anonymous told him that a few players were pissed off about the situation. Because I guess the logic here is, even though the team sucks right now, everyone is still doing their part, and they are giving it 100% every game, wherever they go. And now here's this series in Toronto where Whit Merrifield pretty much gets the week off because it's also All-Star Weekend. Or, or right before All-Star Week Weekend, whatever. Um, listen, I, I'll say the same thing I said about Butker. You know, you want to be vaccinated? Not, that's up to you. Uh, the um, Ben Attendee and Whit Merrifield both missed out on six-figure... Paychecks for the series. Some players missing out on tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, these players all knew well beforehand what the consequences were going to be. Now, if you're going to say you would have done it if it was a postseason game, that I take issue with. I, I, I can understand the frustration that, hey, other players are doing what they need to do to to do what they need to do for the team, even though they're having a really shitty year. Because listen, those games in Toronto don't matter to the Royals. They're they're out of it. I mean, there are even websites that are giving the Royals a 0% chance, not even a 0.01% chance of making the playoffs. They're, they've been written off. But you have other players on the team who are still willing to step up and do what they need to do. And to... All of a sudden say, well, if it was the postseason, yeah, I'd consider it. No, I don't know. That, to me, um, is an issue because you're willing to do it if the game matters. Because everyone's talking about, hey, stand behind your belief for being anti-vax. Okay, fine. That's up to you. That's your call. But then, you know, what is your belief really if you're willing to do it for a playoff game? I think that's a question worth asking. By the way, all the people talking about whether or not Whit Merrifield will be booed uh, in the first game back when the Royals uh, are, have their first game at home. First of all, people are going to forget about this by the time the Royals are back in action. Second of all, Royals fans don't even t- don't even attend games. Okay, so there even if there are going to be boos, there are not going to be much of them. Listen. No one's gonna be. No one's gonna hold this against Whit Merrifield. I mentioned this earlier. People were angry at Patrick Mahomes and told him stick to sports because of, um, because of uh, voter registration drives. Those same people cheered for him as the season went on. When the Chiefs went what fifteen or fourteen and two that year, and they went back to the Super Bowl. I guarantee you, all the people upset with Harrison Butker right now uh, for encouraging Kansas uh, Kansans to vote yes on the uh, value of them both bill. If Harrison Butker 
kicks a game-winning field goal in the AFC Championship this year, all those people upset at him now will cheer for him in that AFC Championship game. Okay? They will. They 100% will. Uh, so let's not get carried away with uh, Whit Merrifield getting booed. I know he's having a bad year, but come on. I mean, who are you, who are you fooling? Like, he's still a fan favorite at the end of the day. Um, it's not like he killed anyone. I mean, come on. Let's not get that carried away. Uh, UFC 276 took place uh, International Fight Week. Prelims were awesome. The main card, so freaking boring. Uh, Donald Cerrone, uh, Jessica I both retired. Cerrone, hell of a career for him. Uh, before he lost his last seven fights, from November 2013 to December 2016, dude, this guy went on a tear, went 12-1. and one. His only loss was the UFC lightweight title match against uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. In fact, before the 12-1 and one run, his last loss was also to Rafael Dos Anjos. Uh, so kind of an interesting uh, little trend there. Unfortunately, things went way south for him after that 12-1 run when he lost to Masvidal. That was brutal because he got KO'd at the end of the first round. And then his corner, they tried to get him to wake up. And they said, hey, dude, where are you right now? And he said, oh, I'm in Denver. But I mean, they were able to get him clear. But in the second round, he got knocked out again. So he got knocked out twice by Masvidal uh, on that Fox event. Um, and unfortunately that was just, if he won that fight, he was probably going to get another title shot. I think at welterweight. Yeah, that was at welterweight. So he did move up in weight and even, you know, went back down to lightweight even afterwards. Just didn't pan out for him. Uh, listen, remarkable career for him, but, uh, just, uh, didn't pan out. Unfortunately, did not get a UFC title in his career, but certainly is, uh, going to be inducted into the UFC hall of fame probably sooner rather than later. Uh, Pedro Munoz, Sean O'Malley, uh, one I was very excited about. Unfortunately, a no contest due to the eye poke. Shit happens. Hopefully they run it back because I really want to see the uh, winner of that fight. Sean Strickland got TKO by Alex Pereira. Uh, good. Uh, I mean, Strickland was talking shit to Israel Adesanya all week long. A guy who was not even his opponent and he got knocked out. Uh, yeah, you deserve that. Uh, Robbie Lawler KO'd by Brian Barberina. But listen, good knockout, but let's not get carried away. You knocked out a declining Robbie Lawler. I mean, these are the same people who, uh, you know, all these people who've been beating Cerrone lately. It's not an impressive win. I mean, he's been on the downhill slope. So nice, nice knockout. Don't get me wrong, but not anything worthy of a, of a title shot or anything. Volkanovski. This guy showed off his defense again with a huge third win over Max Holloway, making it very clear who is the best by far. Listen, Max Holloway's great. 1,000% a great fighter. Um, and he made the featherweight division very interesting when he KO'd Jose Aldo and beat him again in the rematch four times in the third round. The problem is, it's kind of like Colby Covington, who's a fantastic welterweight, but he was never undisputed champion because Kamaru Usman's always been in the way. Max Holloway might not get his title back as long as Volkanovski's in the way. Now, Volkanovski's talked about moving up to 155, so if that happens, yeah, Max might get his title back. That might be the only way. Um, Volkanovski, man, people keep doubting him over and over and over again. And with his incredible defense, he just finds a way to uh, pull through. Great cardio, too. I mean, this guy in the fifth round just looks like he just started a fight. Um, 
fantastic cardio. Uh, great, great job on him uh, beating Max Holloway again for a third time. Israel Adesanya versus Jerry Kinnanier. Uh Israel had a, had an awesome Undertaker entrance, but that is where the highlight reel ended because um, it just was a boring fight. Izzy has not been himself in those last three fights. Uh, that started off when he moved up to light heavyweight to try to become a champ champ, and that did not go in his favor at all. Now, Dana White did speak recently, and he did say that in the next time that Israel Adesanya fights, it certainly will not be anything similar to his recent fights. Okay, I'm willing to give that chance because I've seen what Israel Adesanya can do. The dude is a dangerous fighter. And if he goes out there and fights his fight, I mean, everyone's going to love it. Everyone's going to love it. Uh, Brian Ortega fought this past weekend against Yair Rodriguez. And man, I mean, I was just crushed by this. I've been a fan of Brian Ortega before I was a UFC fan. Uh, back before he made it to the UFC, I, I've always watched the uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu videos uh, that Henry Gracie runs. And Brian Ortega's been a part of those videos for a long time. Uh, so I've been a big fan of his for a long time. That was just brutal, seeing him uh, hurt his shoulder like that in the first round. I mean, you spend all this time in training camp, and early in the fight, you lose your shoulder like that. I mean, that's just brutal. So uh, I know they said they're going to run it back uh, later down the road. So hopefully they do that. Hopefully uh, Ortega. Ortega's had some long layoffs after those title lo- uh, match losses. And he's going to have another one, uh, which is really unfortunate. Um, he, his two losses prior to this were title match losses. So I don't know what's going to happen to him, man. Um, but hopefully he comes back strong because I'd love to see this guy become world champion. He's got a fantastic backstory. He really does. Everything he's overcome in his life. Uh, he deserves it more than anyone. Charles Oliveira and Islam Khashiv in October for the UFC lightweight title. Oh, boy. This one is going to be wild. Islam Khashiv is the favorite. Charles Oliveira, okay, I guess he's the defending champion, whatever you want to say, because he didn't make weight last time. But, boy, this is going to be a damn good fight. Is I'm, look, I'm putting my money on Islam. I'm doing it. This dude is dangerous. Did you see the submission when he the Kimura he put on Dan Hooker? I mean, Dan Hooker, damn near he couldn't even tap out because his arms were not even in position to be able to do that. Um, I'm going with Islam in this one. I think he's going to win another notable fight. I don't think it's going to be entertaining, but it's still a big fight. Nate Diaz versus Hamshat Shamaya finally going to be happening in uh, September the 10th. Look, I know Nate Diaz is the heavy underdog. Look, I love Nate Diaz. I really do, but I don't think he's winning this one. Hamsat is a huge guy, and I think he's going to have his way with Nate Diaz, but you never know what the Diaz brothers sometimes, what they can uh, pull out of the bag. So uh, definitely uh, keep an eye out for this one. Very excited to see Nate Diaz. I don't know what's going to happen afterwards. It's Nate Diaz's last fight on his contract. He's had a lot of conflict with the UFC. (laughs) He even started calling out heavyweights, Um, but we'll see. Uh, by the way, Dana White, listen, I, I, this guy's just had a lot of complaints over the years, and I can understand why, because he gave the leader of the Nelk boys $250,000 cash for his birthday. That's more than the UFC flyweight champion. Uh, Deverson Figueredo, I mean, dude. You can understand why people are complaining about fighter pay, okay? You can understand why. Uh, 
And when you've got people like Jake Paul fighting this battle even, that tells you something. And you're out there giving 250k to the Nelk Boys leader. I mean, come on, and listen, hey, good on him. They've, they have entertaining content. I'm not shitting on it, but you can pay that guy, but you can't pay your fighters? Come on. Uh, Paul Rudd, uh, Canton City's own Paul Rudd. Uh, reason number 521 why Paul Rudd is fucking awesome. He surprised a kid in Colorado who I guess gets bullied a lot and only four people signed his yearbook, including himself, where he wrote that he wished he had more friends and he wished that he uh, had more people sign his yearbook, which, I mean, you never want to hear a kid go through that kind of thing. That just sucks. No one deserves to experience that. Well, Paul Rudd, I guess, uh, got word about this and Paul Rudd sent him some uh, memorabilia from some of his friends, celebrity friends, and even FaceTimed him and even wrote, wrote him a note and telling him, hey, listen, things will get better down the line, which is absolutely true. Um, you know, when a kid goes through something like that, you never know what goes through them mentally. So for Paul Rudd to send that kind of message, that for sure will change the, 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 this kid's mentality and will kind of ease the pain and knowing that it will get better down the line. This guy gets it. And guys like, who who was the running back? Dylan, A.J. Dylan for the Packers. He was in the middle of shooting a commercial and he heard fans, Packers fans getting a tour of the stadium. He stopped. He took a break from filming the commercial and went and took pictures with some of the fans that were getting, all the fans, in fact, that were getting a tour. Um, people like A.J. Dillon get it. People like Paul Rudd get it. They know when to step up. When's the right time to step up and uh, maybe show some love to the fans that that really need it. Um, Paul Rudd's out here potentially saving a kid's life. You never know if, if anyone has suicidal thoughts from something like this. Um, so props to Paul Rudd. He's Kansas City's own Paul Rudd. And um, makes you proud uh, that he's a Kansas Cityan. Uh, really cool. A couple quick notes. Arguably the two biggest presidential gaffes ever. Joe Biden is reading a teleprompter, and he actually read the words, end of quote, repeat the line, when uh, talking about uh, abortion, which we've already went over a little bit with the Harrison Butker thing. I mean, listen, for whoever wrote that teleprompter, on the teleprompter, why did you write that out? You know he's going to read it. I mean, listen, we've seen uh, other politicians slip up because of the teleprompter, even news anchors. But you don't write, end of quote, repeat the, just copy and paste the same thing. (laughs) How hard is that? And then he's in Israel, uh, not really sure where he's walking to, and is trying to shake hands with the air before sitting down. Oh, boy. Oh, Joe. Uh, By the way, gas prices are going down. All the people who said presidents don't control gas prices are crediting Biden. And all the people who uh, uh, criticize Biden for the high gas prices (laughs) are not crediting him. Imagine that. How does that work? Uh, By the way, I I know gas prices have been going down in the last, what, 34, 35 days. They're still high. Can we not celebrate? That's like um, 
That's like Dan Sorensen saying, yeah, well, I didn't miss a tackle today in this game. After missing 20 before this game. Come on. Uh, Last quick note. Fox News. Oh, boy. You guys get a penalty flag. Uh, Top five best quality barbecue cities. Number one, Clarksville, Tennessee. Not Kansas City. Not Texas. Clarksville, Tennessee. Number two, Lexington, Kentucky. Number three, Overland Park, Kansas. Which is odd because Joe's KC does not even exist in Overland Park. They've got one in Olathe, one in Leewood, and one in KCK. Yeah, I don't get that one. Four, Salem, Oregon. <laughs> and five is Wichita, Kansas. Uh, listen, I know uh, the big pundits over at Fox News, they love to go after other media outlets. You just lost your right to go after any other media outlet ever again with that list right there, that garbage-ass list of barbecue-quality cities. Get out of here. And by the way, people who are like, oh, Overland Park's part of KC. I'm fucking well aware of that. I've lived here for 29 years, okay? Overland Park is not the same as Kansas City. What good barbecue? Listen, there's Q39, which is good. There's also Burnt End Barbecue, which is a very underrated barbecue joint here in Kansas City. But after that, what's in Overland Park that makes it better than KCK or KC Mo? Um, yeah, you, you got me on that one because uh, I don't have that answer. I don't. That is a horrible list. Uh, yeah, pretty bad list for sure. All right, appreciate you guys downloading this episode of Farscast. Appreciate you guys listening. Apologize again for the hiatus, but hey, we are back. Uh, I'll try to uh, do another uh, podcast next week. I'm sure there will be a lot to talk about. We'll be getting closer and closer to NFL training camp. Uh, Whit Merrifield, I'm sure he'll uh, respond and answer some questions regarding his whole situation. We'll probably follow up on that subject as well and a whole lot more. Facebook.com slash Farzy Vesugan. More than 350 new followers on the page in the last seven days. Thank you guys so much. That is awesome. Please keep it going. Facebook.com slash Farzy Vesugan. Invite your friends. Click the community community tab and invite your friends at Farzing21 on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast. Share the links on social media. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Take care. <laughs>